Yeah. It's the way it gotta be, gotta be. It's the way it gotta be, gotta be. We ain't gon' lose, we ain't gon' lose. It was a thing in the past when we always used to lose. I know. Yeah. We winning right now, we winning right now. We gon' win right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm winning. I'm right. not losing. Nah. Fuck that full dough, I'ma coop it. Remember back then, I was gon' lose it. Shit out of luck. I was gon' lose it, real shit I was broke at the polo store But tax free at the polo store I was broke and fucked up Nigga it showed I was broke and fucked up Nigga it showed, yeah Okay, now the game different Switch at the time clock, now I'm winning Now the talks and conversation different Now I seem like it's all business It's cool, I ain't tripping it is what it is, man. I'm not tripping. Okay. Someone said it's a part of the beast. Okay. I turned around and said it's a part of the beast. Here we go. Oh, I think. Nothing. Good. I think so. Let me make sure. Don't be nervous. This is weird. Let me make sure we're good. All right, mic check. Mic check. And we're straight. All right, man. We're going. It's good. good. Okay. There's that dry moment. Yeah, we're good. We're going. Okay. Let's start. Good. How does this work? Um, I guess I just start talking to you. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> do what, oh, I do. Man. what do you want me to talk about? It's you. This is who, me. Who are you? I, there we go. Who who am I? Who, who am you? I? That is What's life's your name? question. Is that, is that easier? <laughs> 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 My name is Jerome. Um, I go by many names. Oh, oh here we go. This is what we want. <laughs> Okay, so not even Jerome, even even with the name, I'm named after my dad, so I'm Jerome Jr. Mm. But my mom tells a story that she always wanted to name her first child JJ. Didn't have a name, didn't even have a man at the time, but mm. wanted to name her first kid JJ. So in the womb, I was always JJ, and it just so happens that those are my initials now. So I mean, I'm good. It was it was fate. I was meant to be JJ. That's some scary stuff, right there. It is. Oh, it's oh, a yeah. lot of pressure that comes with that. Mm. And you got. JJ so, from Good Times. Nah, he was dynamite. Like, I mean, if you look at everything he did on the show, not now. I mean, nobody wants to be associated with Brud now. No, we can't do that. We got to take everything that you want to take highlight moments from people's lives. We got to, you know. That, you know, you should never compare your blooper reel to somebody else's highlights. Mm. So, guys, we starting deep right now. Jerome, wait, hold on. Jerome, man, what's your age? You, you're about to sound like you're I'm, about to start talking that day, man. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> I'm 36. 36 years old. Jerome, talk, talk about the blooper reels. and You got to explain that one, man. Okay, so, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, personally, I would always compare what somebody else is doing in life. You never know what they did to get to that point. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how much struggle they went through, how many failures they experienced before they got to the point that you see them. You see the glamorous stuff, or you see everything that they're doing good, but you didn't see all the times that they wasn't eating or that they accounts was negative. Mm -hmm. You see where they are now and right. you compare where you are thinking like, oh man, I want to get to where they are, but I can't do that because I'm here. I'm still living check to check. Right. But not on the check part, on the two part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's no checks right now. I'm just on the two. I'm on the dash in between. So if you compare that kind of stuff, you'll you'll miss out on a lot of life because you're looking for the the high moments and not appreciating the lows. You need balance. Right. So I mean, that's kind of where I am with stuff. Alright, guys, we didn't hit. We went too deep, too soon. Hold on. But J- back to the JJ. Back to the JJ. Back to the dynamite. Listen to dynamite. Have something to take. I'll tell you that. So we got Jerome, named after your father. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who's your father? Is he prevalent in your life? Oh, absolutely. My dad was um, always like my biggest hero growing up. I always wanted to emulate my dad. He joined the military before I was born just to be able to provide. Because you know he had a kid coming, mm-hmm. make sure that the wife is taken care of, make sure the family got insurance, all the right. stuff necessary. That wasn't necessarily something that he wanted to do, but he did what he had to do. Mm-hmm. So that's always been the example that I've had to look to look up to and to, to follow after. And then I named my son after me because my father just taught me the importance of your name and the weight that that carries and the legacy that carries. Right. So I named my son after me and seeing him look up to me, the same way I look up to my dad is like, it's kind of crazy because I still look at my dad the way a kid looks to his dad. I mean, I'm 36 years old, right. but I had to remind myself, like, nah, I'm a man. Like, I can talk to you about stuff man to man, but it's still, like, that respect. Right. Like, that was just something that was ingrained in all of us. So, yeah, now, very prevalent. Now, in some, some young African-American uh, brothers' lives, we have parents or, let's just say, fathers, for mm-hmm. instance. They're not really in their lives, so... All they have to do is just come around the weekend for their kids. It's not really that role that, you know, has to be filled to where they have to feel like they want to do better than their father. Right. You had a father in your life, and, you know, he was very influential. Mm-hmm. How much pressure is that for you with your son, making sure that you're there like that as your father was for you? A um, little bit different circumstances because me and my kid's mom isn't together anymore. So mm-hmm. it it changes things because... You go from seeing your son every day, right. waking up in the morning, wrestling, whatever, giving him kisses, good night, to text messages, mm-hmm. FaceTime. But the transition has been kind of awkward because them not really knowing how it's supposed to go, me not knowing, like, what's, what's, how is it supposed to go? Right. So I talked to my kids, and I was like, well, this is our new normal. I know what was normal before was you seeing daddy every night, right. me picking you up from school, me going to your practices. But now this is the new normal, so we, we have to adjust and we make it work for us. So I'm still, I make sure I message them every day, send them pictures when stuff comes. You know, Facebook has the little reminders, right. sending them little pictures of, oh, this is when you was two years old, letting them know that I'm still con- just as concerned about what's going on in their lives as I was when I was there every day. Make the effort to go out there and see them. Make sure I send their mom money on a regular basis. That right. little kind of stuff. The stuff that they don't even necessarily have to know about, but they'll appreciate when they get older. Um, so that the dynamic of our relationship doesn't change. It's right. still, like, I still want to make my son proud the same way I wanted to make my dad proud. I want to give my son something to look forward to and to look up to. So that's kind of, that's a motivating force, I would say. At what age did this happen for your kids? Kid? Kids. 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 Okay. Two, yeah. Son so. and a daughter. So my daughter is 12. My son is nine. Me and her mom just split up. Dang, it's almost two years now. So like <laughs> summer of 16. So it's a lot. It's a, a, a recent time, but then they also just moved. They were here in Sacramento. They moved to the Bay Area. They moved to San Francisco last September. 
So it's been it's been an adjustment right. for all of us. Um, it's only a strain if you let it be a strain. Mm-hmm. You just you adjust. It's life. You find a way to make something work, and then you build a plan and go from there. So we're making it work. How do you move forward? You don't really have a choice. Well, well I mean, as far <laughs> as have? like, uh, because we have a response, we have this unwritten responsibility. Most parents don't think about it, but to have, let's just say, bam, you were with your uh, parents' mom, you're now single. You want to now live this single life. Do you bring women in? So how does that work? Do you still live your life? Or do you kind of hold back until it's like it's a time where they can really understand? You do both. Um, mm-hmm. You still live your life, but I, it was something I had to take into account. I don't want to start this whole relationship, get into it with somebody, and then my kids don't like them. Okay. They don't like my kids because then time is money, and that's an investment that you put in to this whole other person and, and her life and what she has going on, only to find out it's not going to work. So I won't say I brought somebody into my kid's life too quick because it kind of needed to happen early. Mm-hmm. So I was in a relationship after I got divorced. I waited till the divorce was final. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was in a relationship and brought the kids around. They hit it off. My daughter, well, her and my daughter. My son was kind of, he's a mama's boy, so he was kind of like, mm, who right. is this chick around my dad? I don't really, well, you cook good, so <laughs> I guess you're okay. But I'm kind of keeping my distance. Because it, it's a loyalty thing. Like, kids don't want to feel like they're choosing one parent over the other. Or, okay, mommy has a significant other. Or daddy has a significant other. I don't want to feel like um, I'm cheating on my parents, basically, right. with who they bring around. So it was a touchy area. And it kind of took some adjustments and some getting used to. But I think we learned by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I made more errors. <laughs> but... But I learned, and just being able to talk, like I always let my kids know, however you feel, it's okay for you to tell me. I don't want you to feel like, oh, I can't tell you because you're going to get mad or I'm going to get in trouble if I tell you I don't like your girlfriend. Or, right. But, so, like, if y'all don't like her or something going on, you're not feeling it, especially with my daughter. Like, I, I don't want to lose that bond where she could feel like she could come and talk to me, which is funny because on the way over here, she sends me a text message, and she was like, Dad... I think I found somebody I might like. And I was like, <laughs> what? You, I'm driving. Like, I almost had to pull over on the freeway. I'm screaming, no. And I was like, I just sent her the little, uh, the little GIF. Get, is it GIF, GIF, whatever it is. And the dude was just like, hmm? the white dude, was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? And then she was like, autocorrect. I meant you, dad. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Go here, white. Okay, 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 cool. Okay, so then I thought about. I was like, I don't want to make her feel like she can't come tell me like that. I like somebody. I want her to be able to do that because I'm gonna give her all the game. Like she's gonna know before the dude even approaches. Like, oh no, I know what you about. Right. I'm gonna tell her all the when she's ready. She gonna know all the game, and I'm know with some young dudes out there. They're like, man, this dude hating. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm absolutely hating. Now, with that, with that being said, when do you feel she's ready? 
Hey, what you said? She's how old now? Twelve. Twelve. She'll so be thirteen this year. Oh my 13, god. So thinking about that, when do you? Or do you just say all right, high school? I mean, because in middle school, you can't school? really put a, a a time frame on it. It's kind of like how puberty starts at different times for different people, right. and it, once it already hits, it's too late to have that talk. Because right. it's like now you're in it. You're in the moment. You can't explain what's going on. You're in it. So when I just listen to the stuff that she talks about, even when she's talking with her friends or the stuff she brings up to me, she'll drop little hints here and there about the kind of boy she likes. Mm. And so I don't want to, like, flood her with too much information. But it's kind of like as we go, I just drop a little nugget here. So now she's on the PG version. But when her knowledge increases or I feel that she's getting some outside information, right. then we got to step it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's some, it was the same way with, uh, with my dad and me having these, these man-to-man talks. Now, I wanted to know, how did the, I think we're getting a divorce. Like, how did that conversation go? So that conversation, yeah, we did it. Okay. We okay. sat down, um, me and her mom, we actually sat them down. Like that that weekend after we talked it out, because it was like it wasn't me fighting. I can't stand you. Ah, I want a divorce. Right. Like no, we sat down and it was like you know I think it's it's time that we just kind of part ways. It's not good for kids to be in this kind of environment where it's tense, but everybody's acting like everything's okay. Right. Like that'll warp your growth just as much as growing up with your parents fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. So it'll warp your perception of what love is or how a relationship is supposed to go. I didn't want that. I didn't want one dysfunctional home if we could possibly have two separate happy homes. Right. So, um, and that's something that she actually came to the conclusion before me. It took me a little while, but once I got it, I was like, you know what, you're right. Right. So, we made things, we took a year and actually made the relationship better for both of us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that year, it's kind of like a probationary period. Right. It's like, you know, I still, I mean, you're cool, but it's just not working for either one of us. Like, so it's no knock on her. It's no knock on me. It was just, we grew. Um, it's because we started, we got married young. Well, I was young. She's older than me. But, <laughs> but nah, I was 22 straight out, of, straight out of college. Literally, I graduated in June and got married in July. Hold on, wait. Yeah. Now let's go 18 to that point. What was your life like? How were you living? What was you doing? Was it popping? So I was in college, and I kind of kept to myself. Didn't really go online. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was doing everything that I was old enough to do. I got lived the shelter life, so to speak. Your dad is a pastor. Your mom's a teacher. Mm. Yeah. So you got that PK thing. Oh, you guys are bad. Mm. Not we're regular kids. Right. We just get in trouble for doing regular kid stuff because everybody has this expectation. Oh, you know, your dad is the man of God. So you got to be Jesus pretty much like I'm sure Jesus got in trouble when he was a kid. (laughs) And it's not trouble like he out there turning water into wine at frat parties when he 15 stuff. Nah, it's just like he did regular kid stuff. Now, he probably wasn't like talking back to his mom. But she probably had to say, Jesus, don't you go out in that street a couple of times. Right. I'm the type of kid I like to to push the limits when I was a kid. Um, I go right to the edge. So when my mom said, don't go into the street, I wouldn't go into the street. But I would walk right to the edge of the sidewalk <laughs> and stick my foot over like, I'm not in the street. 
Right. I'm not in the street, but it's like, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I was always that kid. So, you know, I was like, when I get older, I'm going to get tattoos. I'm going to get my ears pierced. I'm going to parties. I'm going to mess with girls. Like, all the stuff that, that was the, the taboo, no-no stuff right. for, for growing up in church. And literally, when I turned 18, I did all of it. Damn. To the point where it was just like, okay, now what? Right. So by the time I was 21, I stopped drinking. I just, it's like, I don't really get drunk. I got too high of a tolerance for stuff. So I can, I'm the same dude when I got alcohol in my system. Mm-hmm. I'm, I might even be more mellow, like I'm chilling. So what's really the point of doing all this stuff? Am I doing it because I actually enjoy doing it? Right. Or am I just doing it just to say that I did it? So during that stage is when I met my ex-wife. And like she was like, oh, I heard about you. What did you, what did you hear? <laughs> First, tell me what you heard. And I'll let you know if it's true or not. If it's good stuff, yeah, it's true. That, you know, right. if it's bad stuff, I probably did it, but I'm not going to admit to it. So that was, that was where we worked because, I mean, she wasn't feeling me. It was kind of like, not not feeling me, but she right. was like, oh, no, he's too young. And I think she had a boyfriend when I met her. And once I found that out, I was like, oh, no, I'm good. Yeah. Then when I found out she didn't have a boyfriend, I was like, well, hmm. Let's see where this goes. Right. Put her on my two-week plan. You got it. Well, now, what the hell is a two-week plan? <laughs> Sounds like some so three books out this, this is, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is my, this is my old mentality, my old way of thinking. This is 18, 19 years old. Yeah. It was like, okay, if I'm feeling the chick and... We kicking it like heavy for a couple of weeks. Within that two weeks, you kind of know, okay, is this going to go somewhere? Is it not going to go somewhere? But if she wasn't on the level I was on, meaning ready to, to move forward, whether it be physically or what have you, within that two weeks, it was automatic friend zone. Mm. So men could have a friend zone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by friend zone, I mean like we're not kicking it like this no more because why are we spending all this time together? Like you taking up my time. And I could be doing something or someone else. Simple as that, lady. This, but this is eighteen-year-old room. This ain't. Gotcha. This ain't now. This is. This is how. This is what my thinking was. It was like, man, I'm trying to do everything that I'm grown enough to do. Right. Turned nineteen, went straight to the gas station in Boston Black and Miles, just so I could show my ID. Like, yeah, I'm old enough to smoke. <laughs> now, with with the restrictions that you had. From the let's just say high school up until eighteen, looking back, was it worth it to be restricted to where, with that power, would you use it for good or <laughs> use it for evil? <laughs> I definitely use my powers for evil. But <laughs> At least I would say I would say it's really there's no there's no perfect formula for how to parent your kids because mm-hmm. especially if you have more than one, every kid is going to be different. And how you had the stuff that worked for me didn't work for my sister. It worked for my brother. Um, so with me, it was cool. I was the oldest child. And I could think they said, like, the oldest child is usually the one that follows the rules, goes right. by the book. Your middle children are going to be the rebellious ones. Right. The youngest one, the baby, just gets away with everything. Because by that time, your parents just, oh, they're tired. Right. Like they, so I was the guinea pig. So with me, my parents was like, okay, let's try this out on him. Let's see if it works. Okay, it worked. He got straight A's in school, so let's try that on the other kids. Didn't necessarily work that way, so they had to switch it up. Right. Um, so me knowing that as I got older, 
I applied the stuff that my parents did right and the stuff I felt like they did wrong mm. to use that on my, and then you find yourself turning into your parents. <laughs> stuff that you say, oh, when I, when I get kids, I'm never going to tell my kids that. And you find yourself making the same death threats. <laughs> <laughs> and you be like, man, this little act just like me. I can't stand him. Like, but then you realize why sometimes your parents did the things they did. Sometimes it's out of ignorance. Right. Some stuff we do, we don't realize that we're damaging our kids. And I talked to my, my baby sister, her birthday was just yesterday, matter of fact, and we was talking, and we always have these long talks in which she gives me all this parenting stuff from everything that she read. And, you know, we have a tendency sometimes when people talk to us and they don't have kids, we're like, but you don't have any kids. Right. So how can you, you're going off of what you read or what you heard from somebody else. But I don't necessarily discredit the stuff that she's saying because it's coming from a place of her Obviously, she was a child at some point, right. and she knows how that stuff shaped her. She doesn't necessarily have anything to apply it to in dealing with her own kids, but we're all parents to somebody, whether we, we interact with nieces and nephews, right. younger cousins, friends, kids, whatever. There's stuff that we can impart into the next generation, be it good or bad, right. so we should all be aware of that. So I take into consideration what she's saying. Um just coming from a place of having an open mind because I don't feel like she'd be telling me stuff just to be like holier than thou or trying to to be condescending. She's actually coming from a good place with what she's saying. So I take it into consideration. It might I might not do it right away, but I go right. back and be like, you know what? I kind of see where you're coming from. So, um, yeah, just with kids, period. Like, I I don't think I'll ever have the, the final grasp on parenting. Right. So I'll probably have to have another one just to <laughs> be like, okay, I, I finally got the, the perfect formula, so I know what I'm going to do now, and this kid going to be completely different, and it's not going to work. So, I mean, you either got two choices. Keep having them until you get it right or just stop. Quit while you're ahead. I got two good ones. You plan on having more? I mean, that's starting off. That's nine. He'll be 10 in May. Like starting off. Man. But, you know, um... I wouldn't mind, only because it would be a result of another relationship. Like, mm -hmm. it would be a, a new wife. It ain't just, I'm just out there just spreading my royal oats. <laughs> Is that more like, to you? To, 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 to each his own. I mean, would, would you? Me, personally, it's too much of a headache to try to keep up with. I mean, just... I mean, and this is, down, this is, if they're down, let's say you had nine women who are okay with having your child. In you, this society? Nah, I'm not messing with it. <laughs> Take me over to Kenya somewhere where we can, yeah, maybe. Why so, not here? Why not here? The, the culture is just different. It's not, we're not built for that. I'm not, I'm not built for no. that. <laughs> it's a certain level of teamwork that has to take place. Is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Is it likely in this Instagram, Snapchat society? No, nah, it's... Talk it's, about it. 36 social media. What is it like? I'm 36, but I'm... I don't know. I, I, like, I guess I got that Peter Pan, Michael Jackson, never really growing up. Like, I'm, I'm pretty current with what's going on. But I look at social media as... It depends on what you're, what you're doing it for. It's a way to brand yourself. Right. You're trying to build a brand or just to network. So 
Uh, with me playing football for all these years, it actually kind of worked out because you it's a way to football. keep. I played football. Oh, man, you got to talk about this stuff, man. The people uh, need to know, man. It, Who are you, man? So, so here's the thing, man. I was always like the smallest kid in a three-grade span. Mm. Meaning, if I was in third grade, I was the same size as the kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in sixth grade, I was the same size as the third graders. So I've always been the smallest one. I never had the growth spurt where I finally shot past anybody. If anything, I caught up to the girls. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you matter sitting on this couch. I told you, you feel like the big comfy couch, look like Kevin Hart on the chair or something. Feet swinging, but you put my feet back on the floor, man. Can't be a man with your feet swinging on. But yeah, so but I always loved playing football. I always wanted to play football. Like that was my dream from childhood. Go through high school, play, get to college. Don't really get an opportunity. Still want to do it though. Um, went to workouts after college uh, for arena football. Some NFL stuff like was popping up, but it wasn't nothing major to where it's like, okay, I'm in there. It's you gotta you gotta grind because you don't have. I didn't have the same path as the dude that was the top athlete coming out of high school, the top athlete in college, getting drafted. I took a different path, um, but it was always my dream to play professional football. So playing arena football, people were like, oh, you, you you play pro? Well, it's not really pro. I mean, you right. get paid. It's professional. <laughs> I get paid. There's a check. It has my name on it. Talk about it. They'd be like, well, who's your favorite team? What's your team? Like, the whole we stuff, like, fan, fans are cool. I'd be like, oh, we're going, we're not going anywhere. If Ron don't got a check with his name on it, there is no we. <laughs> my team is whoever is signing the checks. Right. So I like the Raiders, don't get me wrong, but they don't sign none of my checks. So I don't owe them anything. Yeah. I don't owe them any loyalty. If they leave and go to Vegas, cool. I just have a reason to go to Vegas to go watch a game. <laughs> <laughs> Like the game ain't till Sunday. Why are you there on Tuesday? Hey man, don't worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm pre-gaming. <laughs> I'm pre-gaming. I'm pre-gaming. I'm scouting. I'm scouting for the yeah. So football. Damn man, who are you man? What other talents you got? Talk man, about it. So I'm pretty much like I'm a, I'm a modern day Renaissance man. So what is that? I, I do a little bit of everything uh, like music, yeah, music. Music. Me and my brother actually co-wrote and produced a full gospel album Wow! in 2013. It's been five years since we put it out. Wow. 519. So it was a group of us. It was like a collective, um, just local people from church, whatever. And we was like, man, we should just work on some music. We started out just shedding, just like meeting once a week, mm -hmm. just making up stuff, playing music. And it was like, man, we should actually record this. This stuff is sounding pretty good. Right. So I was always like kind of behind the scenes. Like I like to do the writing or playing the drums or whatever. Somehow I ended up singing on the album, like rapping on stuff. And wow. before you knew it, like we performing and doing stuff locally. It was like, oh, we might actually be able to go somewhere with this. Right. Put an album out, put it on iTunes. We got like a thousand copies of our CD. We probably sold maybe half of them. We still got some left. <laughs> but just, to, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm trying to get on, I'm trying to be the next big thing. I'm trying to get a record deal. Right. I was like, I like music. I like dope music, and I have a lot of ideas. Why not put them out there? Right. Somebody's going to be able to relate. Um, but music is really, it was my brother's thing, so that was a way for us to just spend time together and to bond over doing music. Right. Like, just gave us something else to do as adults. Like, we couldn't, I'm nine years older than him, mm. so it wasn't like we was going outside playing. I used to beat him up or whatever when we was little. <laughs> right. He's bigger than me, well, he's taller than me now. I'm still the... But, I'm solid. Yeah, I'm solid. 
I'm solid. But yeah, that was just another way for us to bond over something that we did have in common. Because I was the sports one, he was the music one. So he talks about that now, like, man, brother took all the athletic genes. I'm like, well, dude, you got all the vocals and the play 27 instruments like Prince. Like, dude does everything. So um, my sister got the artistic side of dancing, like being on Broadway, that type of thing. She was in, what was that movie? Uh, the Wiz, when it was live on TV. Yeah. She was one of the dancers. On the Wiz. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, when Kendrick performed at the Grammys, it was a couple years ago, she was uh -huh. one of the dancers. There was only like four or five of them. She was one of the dancers. So I'm hey, watching TV. Right there, man. Oh, full of talent, man. So, yeah. And, but, like, from the inside looking out, it doesn't necessarily feel that way because we all have these, this certain level that we was expecting to be at. Mm -hmm. And so all of us are like, man, we could do more. I right. could do more. So, I mean, I wrote a book. Like, life, that was like a lifelong dream. Like, I got all these experiences in life. One day I'm going to write a book. I'm good at writing. Did you go to college? I went to college. I went to UC Davis. I started out as a neurobiology major because that, <laughs> study of the brain, study of, yeah, I, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. So my, my other sister that passed away in 2009, Tiffany was born with a bunch of complications. Um, the doctors basically gave her two days to live. From the time that she was born, it's like, oh, this baby isn't going to make it. This was back in 84. So we lived in Miami at the time. I told my parents, you know, you guys are young. You can have other kids. At the time, it was just me. Then it was her. You guys can have other kids. Like, they basically told my parents to just leave her in the hospital and go about your lives, which is kind of messed up. Not kind of. It is. But they didn't. Some kids like this, with, with, with what her disorder was or what they diagnosed her with, at the time, it was only like 300 reported cases. So usually... Um, I guess they were saying, like, the baby had a stroke in the first trimester. Damn. So no brain development, no function, none of that. And those are usually miscarriages. Mm -hmm. So the one, out of the ones that are born, they never make it past, you know, like a couple years old. Um, so she was in all kind of medical books because after the two days, they're like, okay, she's still kicking. Right. Okay, she probably won't make it out the week. Okay, after two weeks, okay, she's still here. After a month, okay, it's probably going to be two months. So any day now she could go. Wow. So her first birthday, we threw this big party. Right. Um, people coming around. Then oh, then she's she's two years old now. Oh, she's going to school. She's five. Oh, she's Damn. ten. So she actually uh, she passed away when she was twenty four, almost twenty five years old. So you go from two days yeah. to twenty, almost twenty five years. My parents never put her in a home. They like took care of her. So I've seen that side of parenting too. Right. Seeing the struggle that goes along with taking care of a kid with special needs, like super special. Like she never was able to walk, never able to talk. She basically had the the mental capacity of like a three month old baby as yeah. far as her development. But me and her, we had a regular brother sister relationship because to me, like I told my son about the new normal, that was my normal. Right. I was two years old when she was born. So that's all I knew. Oh, everybody has a Tiffany. Everybody has a sister right. like this. So I, it kind of gave me a soft spot when I see other people out with their kids or even at the school where they have, they put the kids off to the side somewhere. I'll go out of my way right. to go say what's up or just talk to them like regular people. Um, so that's the connection to that, to that in football. Um, playing football gave me an opportunity to, to be in different places in the country. Right. We always did like outreach kind of stuff. So I got to work with the Special Olympics a lot. That's cool. We had a game. This was I was in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, 2015. We had a game where they did every year, uh, the team did something with 
the Special Olympics um, program there in Wichita Falls. So they actually had a game where they came to our stadium, played in the arena, a little flag football game. And it was the day of our game. So they played at like 12. Our game was like 7 at night. Yeah. And they were like, well, we don't have enough people to play. Would you mind playing with the kids, like being quarterback or whatever? When I say oh. kids, they're not just kids. They're, these are adults or whatever. Right. So I'm like, sure. Got my jersey on. I get in the huddle. And this one dude was like, I don't care what you do. Just throw me the damn ball. <laughs> and I was like, all right, bro, you got it. Right. Throw him the ball. Dropped it. Boots it. I was like, he didn't even catch the ball. Like, he did all this talking. Yeah. Right. He didn't catch the ball. But, like, they were like, we know, make the game interesting. So it was a couple of players from our team playing on both sides. Right. And so just that interaction, to be able to play with them and just the, the way that their families felt, because the stadium had people in it. They cheering and everything like that. They, they had the, a ball. But it was, like, the most exciting game I've ever played in. Played arena football, like, almost 10 years. Wow. And we lost our game that night. But – we won that game, the flag game, and I actually was more happy about winning that game than I was tripping off of one game in a career. Right. Um, just because of just because of the vibe that I got, like it was truly genuine. Like they really was excited to to me. Like I'm an NFL player to them. Like I'm a star. Right. So I even like signing autographs or taking pictures with people. That's something I never took for granted because I'm like it's, it's, I'm just me. Right. Like I'm I'm nobody special, but there's always somebody looking up to you. So that kind of role model thing kind of carries over even with your kids. Mm -hmm. So I see the way my son looks at me, and I'm like, I'm just me. Like, I haven't, I haven't done half the stuff I wanted to do. Right. But all these experiences shaped me and made me the person I am. And I really wrote a book. I put it in the book, and it's random. It's called Rome's Randomness. So what is it about? <laughs> Literally the title. <laughs> Literally the title. It's a compilation of, like, my life experiences um, just literally random stuff, whatever my thoughts were. And I kind of, I kind of plugged it on social media as if you follow me on social media, seeing some of the stuff I post and you're like, what is this? What is, what's going on in this dude's head? Like, right. what are you talking about? It's not like off the wall stuff. I just be having random thoughts sometimes like, oh, did you ever think about this? Or why is it this way? Just questions, just my take on things. And I literally put it in the book. It's when I say random I mean, like, I could have something just deep and profound, and the very next thing is dumb. Like, <laughs> like, why does Dikembe, Dikembe Mutombo's voice sound like that? I always want to clear my throat when I hear him talk. He starts talking, and I just be like, <clears throat> <clears throat> like, bro, you don't feel that? You don't feel that in your throat right there? Like, you don't, <clears throat> you can't get that out? Like, but literally, I mean, just whatever I was thinking about at the time, I wrote it down. I typed the whole book on my phone. And they said people don't use technology. Exactly. Man, listen, I'm talking about, I typed the book with my thumbs. <laughs> I wasn't on the keyboard. I'm literally like this, 3 o'clock in the morning, like, oh, let me. <laughs> and I will honestly say that is like a gift and a curse technology because somebody like me that's a homebody, mm -hmm. I can easily stay in the house and not interact with anybody outside for a whole day, but have interacted with everybody outside for the whole day. <laughs> being, you be in a group chat and talk to 30 different people right. on group me or something and cracking jokes and posting memes and whatever you're doing, but never going outside and actually interacting with somebody. Like you'll see people walking down the street and everybody's doing like this. 
Right. I was driving in uh in Frisco the other day and almost hit this lady in the crosswalk because she walking with her head down and stops in the middle of the street to take something. And I'm like, okay, first of all, the, my light is green. You're supposed to be standing on the sidewalk. You just start walking. And I just happened, I just happened to look and be like, wait, oh, she stopped. Like she's supposed to either be across the street right now or that's something. No. I blow the horn and she looked up with an attitude like Like it's your fault. Let me finish sending my message, then I'll walk. Okay, you got it. I don't wanna go to jail. <laughs> nah, no. <laughs> it's not it's not worth it. Not but yeah, technology is a gift and a curse. So like being in a relationship Tell me if I, I, was, and, I was that's where I was going. That yeah. Where we at? So, so that's in relationships. So, like, this last relationship I was in, she didn't have to worry about me being out there talking to other females or not coming home or whatever the case is because I'm either at work, I'm either in the gym, or I'm at home. I'm on the Xbox or doing something on the phone. Because when it's time for that quality time, like, okay, we in the house together, even if it's just watching TV, if I got an idea... And I need to get it down in that moment because I was writing a book. Right. So it's like, oh, oh, you're on your phone again. I'm... <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not. I don't have a notepad and a pen to sit there because I'm still gonna have to type it at some point. So I'm gonna just put it in there directly. When I say the process for this book, I literally went from typing it in a note section of my phone to emailing it to myself to formatting it directly for the book. It was that was the that was the whole process for me. Like it wasn't, oh let me pull out the iMac and type it up and nah, I just everything was straight from the phone. Damn. So how long did it take you? Five months. Five months. So I started in January, like the beginning of January last year. So the backstory with that, like I said I'd always wanted to write a book just right. to it was like I gotta so I was good at writing papers in college. I always said I got my BA and BS because <laughs> <laughs> Because once I decided to change from the whole neurobiology thing, um, I was like, well, what do I want to do? It was an impact major at the time, and I wasn't taking the proper courses because I was trying to play football. Right. And my advisor was like, oh, you should take this class, this class. And they was like, well, you took all them classes, cool, but you need these. So we're going to kick you out of this, out of this college. Mm. Not of the school itself, but just of the College of Letters and Sciences. So I was like, well, i got to change my major. Well, what do I want to do? So I took... Psychology, I took sociology, mm. I took political science. I didn't like any of them. No. And I was like, this, this is whack. And I'm at this school, there's no black people here. <laughs> there's like 2% black. So I was like, well, let me take some African-American studies classes. Maybe that's where I'll meet the black people. It was no black people in there either. It's, but I took gospel choir. Mm. That's where I met all the black people. So I was like, okay, I found Mecca. I finally found <laughs> it. This is, where, this is where my people are. And that's where I met my ex-wife in gospel choir. Mm-hmm. Playing basketball. I actually had like a little social event or whatever. I dropped like 11 points on her. The first They put her on me to guard me. It's like, oh, he's the short dude. Right. So we're going to put your short, your girl. We're going to put you. I was like, yeah, don't let. Yeah. That was in the Allen Iverson era. Brother had braids and whatnot. So it was like, <laughs> oh, I'm about to give you these buckets. I don't care if you're a female, but you're kind of cute. Right. So I did my research on her. She had to do, no longer interested. But then it's like, no, nah, I think she's going like to missionary school after 
after she graduates. So it's like interesting. And that's when the evil, the evil power started plotting. Right. Then put her on that two-week program. We ended up being friends. Somehow we went from friends to married for like 12 years. That's another story in itself. But. <laughs> and, then, and then. So. And then. So with there, that's the beginning. We have the 12 years in between. Now you, her, at your parents, we're talking about it. About getting married? No, not. Uh, oh, I'm talking about divorce. now. Oh, the divorce. Oh. They never got answers, and I know people. <laughs> they like, oh, yeah, you kind of talked around it. Nah, we came to the conclusion that it was just time to part ways. So we set the kids down, talked to them, um, talked to my parents, let them know what was going on. Well, why don't you guys give it another year? Try to, like, nah, this was the end of the year that we already came to that conclusion that we was going to give it a year to see how things was worked. I would say I'll take about 97.625% of the blame for why the relationship didn't work. That's a real number. That's a real you number. I calculated. I would take that, that blame for why it didn't work out because as the man, it's, it's my responsibility to lead. So if things kind of went awry, it's because I didn't take them in the direction that they should have been going from the beginning. Right. So it's kind of hard to backtrack and fix stuff after the damage is done. So even though I might have came to that epiphany like, oh, you know what? There's a better way to do this or there's a better way to handle this. It was too little too late. So what I told her when we was parting ways is like, you know, based on everything that I've learned from this experience, whether we choose to stay together or we choose to part ways, I'm a different man now than I was, you know, 5, 10, 11 years ago. Right. So... If you choose to stay with me, you'll reap the benefits of that. I shouldn't say if you choose to stay with me. If we choose to stay together. Right. And I was like, but if we go our separate ways and I get into another relationship, she's going to reap all the benefits of everything that I've learned with none of the headaches that you had to go through. Right. It's kind of unfair, but it is what it is. And so she'll tell you now. She'll be like, yeah, you definitely treated her. Way better than he treated me. I'd be like, listen, it wasn't all bad. Like, right. everything. But when you focus on the stuff that you didn't like, yeah, it's going to seem that way. But this last relationship told her the same thing. Like, look, you have no idea the level of growth that it took for me to get to this point. Right. So the stuff that I'm trying to show you is a result of trial and error, pretty much. Right. Um, but if it doesn't work out, the next relationship I'm in, <laughs> I'm going like every. We should always be improving ourselves. With that said, before I, took, I, I you touched on something. I want. I want to. When you got married, were you the best you at that time? Like thinking back, were you at your best? To where you felt like you could take on that. Looking back now, like, I no, know I wasn't. Really wasn't yeah, oh, I wasn't. I wasn't ready. Okay. And it's, it has nothing to even do with, say, oh, I was young. I was only 22. You got life that you can experience. Because some people experience more early on in life um, than some people will experience in a lifetime. So it wasn't that I needed to experience life more just with my priorities. Like, to, to be married or even, even to be a parent, you got to be selfless. And I think we all still have a bit of selfishness in us. Like, nah, I want to do this for me. And you should. That's that. Cause that's how you accomplish stuff. I got to pursue this for me. I got to make this happen. Um, and I wasn't ready to let some stuff go. 
So it's like, okay, at this point, you got to make a choice. Is it going to be you or is it going to be y'all? Right. You got to choose the us over the me. Um, and so there is, and that was for both of us, but I can only take the responsibility for myself. Right. So, yeah, I wasn't ready. And it just kind of snowballed from there to where when I finally, by the time I was ready, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, the damage is done. Like, And what age point was that? Where you, was like, you realize, all right, nigga, shit's wrong. <laughs> Fuck it up, shit's, I need to get it right. Uh, what age was that? 33. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was just saying this the other day. I've been an adult for literally half my life. But I just started growing up, like, a couple years ago. Like, mindset changed. Right. So, I was talking about this to one of my friends. Like, the Muhammad, I think it's Muhammad Ali, where he gets attributed the quote. Like, a man that looks at things um, at 50 the same way he did at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life. Right. And I didn't want to be that dude. So it's like at some point, if you just stuck in your ways and this is not, this is my mindset on things. Like I'm not talking about like morals and stuff that right. that's like ingrained your moral compass. I just mean like your perception of things and how you view your relationships and interactions with people. Like if you're just so stuck on something like that for so long, at some point you losing, like you missing out on something because everybody has a different perspective. Right. Like, your view is just one out of 360 different ways to view something. Right. Like, there's 360 degrees in a circle. So, full circle, there's 359 other ways to view it that you'll never consider unless you take that step to the right and see it from their angle. Or take that step to the left and see it from somebody else's perspective. Right. And so, it was like, I can't even pinpoint, like, something that happened. It was like, literally just waking up one day, like, huh. Oh, that's a different way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And just going from there. And it, the only other time that happened is, like, not too long after I turned 18. Like, my relationship with my parents changed. I don't know if it was because I was 18. And I was like, well, I'm grown now. So right. <laughs> I just thought about the first time my mom asked me if I was a virgin. And I told the truth. I didn't mean to. I meant to lie. I meant to lie and say, well, yes, I'm a virgin. I don't I don't know. It was that I'm grown now moment. Right. I was like, so... I. I took this girl to homecoming. I had just graduated from high school. She was a senior the, the following year. So this is like in the fall after I graduated from high school. And my parents still, because I was still living at home, like transitioning to go to college or whatever. Right. And so my parents were still like, you know, you got to be home at a certain time. And, you know, just all these, the same limits and stuff I'd had before. But I'm like, I'm, I'm 18. I got to, okay, I'll, I'll ask permission because it's the thing to do. I mean, I'm under your roof. But... I should still be able to live my life. This is my thinking. Right. And so I took the girl to homecoming. My parents had a fit because they thought when I said homecoming, I thought you were just taking her to the game. I didn't know you were talking about the dance. Mm. Like when I say like strict for me and right. strict for my siblings was two different things. Like they went to dances and stuff. I went to two proms. Yeah, that was it in high school. That's why <laughs> I didn't go to I didn't go to homecoming dances and all that kind of stuff. Like listening to that worldly music and dancing and gyrating and grunting, none of that was happening. So you got to sneak and do it when you can get it in. House parties during the daytime when you're skipping school, that kind of thing. Right. But um, yeah, I took her to homecoming. I get home. I, matter of fact, I called because my curfew was like 11. So I called at 1030 and let them know we was going to be a little late. Right. I'm like, well, where are you? The game should have been over. 
What the, the game was at one o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> and what are you talking about? So by the time I got home, I was like, well, you know, you need to be home. Well, it's, it's not going to happen in 30 minutes. I take that now. Right. Because I still have to take her home. And the dance ain't even over yet. Right. I was just letting y'all know what's going on. I'm thinking I'm being responsible. Right. 18 years old. I just turned 18. So, like, maybe a week or two. So, I'm, I've been 18 for all of two weeks. I'm grown. Right. I'm stepping into my grownness. And I get home. My parents are sitting up, like, like the Cosby's, with their pajamas on in the bed, <laughs> with the lamp on, reading me, whatever. Call me into the room and just start this interrogation. Like, you know, what were you doing? We were under the impression that this and da 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 da. And somehow my mom slips in, Are you a virgin? I don't know where that even, that subject matter even came from. Right. Because I'm like, Well, I'm 18. I don't have to lie about anything. I'm grown. I can talk to y'all as an adult. We good. Right. My mom had this concept, and she would always say, There's nothing open after midnight but legs. She might have turned me into a night owl because of that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Purposely Thanks, stay up. Thank you. Purposely turn me into a night owl. Can't go to sleep before 12. Nah. Why? Because his legs open at the 12. Like, where they at? But, nah. So she was like, are you a virgin? And I was like, no, ma'am. Oh. Mm. <clears throat> she said, why not? I was like, I don't know how to explain it scientifically to you. But after something happens, it's kind of like that. You can't go back over. You can't backtrack on that one. Right. Um, and then it just got quiet. It was like that awkward silence. And then it was like, I, I don't know what the next question is going to be, but I have an idea. She's right. about to ask me who. And so this is when you would think, okay, lie. Right. But me being, I'm 18, I've been 18 for like two weeks and three days. Like, I'm... <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't lie, but I didn't tell the, the whole truth. Mm. I just told about the most recent experience. Smart. So she thought that that was the time that I lost my virginity, not realizing it had been years. Like, <laughs> I had years in the game, but... <laughs> Don't ask, don't tell. That was the policy. Right. You didn't ask me. I'm not going to tell. I wasn't going to volunteer information that I know I'm going to get in trouble for. Absolutely not. So, I got a whooping. 18 years old. I got up. That can't be real. That's real. She got a belt, and she proceeded to beat the brakes off me with this leather belt. Did it happen? It happened. Ugh. It happened. Not in the room, not right then. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, okay, this is an awkward moment because I'm still living at home. I, I wasn't having sex in my parents' house, right. but I was definitely getting it in in other people's parents' house. I won't do it in your parents' bed, but under their roof, hey, that's on you. Right. But, yeah, she came upstairs. I shared a room with my little brother. So I'm 18. He was like nine. Told him to go into the, told my sister's room across the hall. And she went crazy. I'm talking about jumping off the bed, <laughs> swinging and All just, wrestling moves. just, I think the statute of limitations is up now. Well, so she's so. not going to go to jail if anybody <laughs> can see this. Another 18. Yeah, it's been 18 years. Can't we all just get along? But yeah. Damn. So then 
when my dad came in after my mom got tired and he gave me the I'm so disappointed in you son speech and I'm sitting here like all the stories that you how can you I got your DNA so for the longest time because it was the I'm disappointed I never thought my sons would make the same mistakes that I made I wanted you to be married first everything that you're supposed to say right and so I say from that that talk, the, the talk I have with my son is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to give him that. Like, I'll give him what the expectations are from a sense of maturity and responsibility as a man. Right. But also from a place of, like, you know what it is. Like, I know what it is. If you're going to do it, this is, this is how you handle yourself. This is right. how you carry yourself. This is how you respect the woman that you're giving this gift to because we've been blessed. Right. So when we're blessing someone else with our gift, <laughs> this is how you handle that. Right. <laughs> um, but so that that's what I did take from that experience. Like I, I could probably say that that was traumatic, mm. but I bounced back. <laughs> you learn, it's not, I le- you learn from it. So what I learned is how to lie. <laughs> that was the lesson. My parents taught me how to lie, but nah, with my kids, I always want to be as transparent as possible, right. um, especially with mistakes that I made. So that's how you keep your kids from making the same mistakes. Not by telling them, nah, don't do this, da 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 and being so, boxing them in so much that they feel like if they make a mistake, there's something wrong with them. Right. So that was like the hard part of that environment was feeling like something was wrong or I was abnormal because my parents didn't do this kind of stuff. Right. So you start doing math and be like, wait, you know, I was 19 when I was born, mm. which means you was 18 when you got pregnant. Y'all was freshman in college. Right. They got married, but still like, man, I went to college, didn't have no kids, got married. Then the kids came. So from the, the by the book standpoint, I technically did stuff in order, even though I know that, at any point in time, it could have been, I could have had kids in high school. Right. It just, I, it was just fortunate that no kid had to be brought up in that environment because I'd have been a terrible father at 15, right. 16. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at 23, mm-hmm. but I was at least old enough to be in a position to take care of business. Right. So I don't ever... I don't ever look at somebody else's situation. Like I said about earlier about comparing your blooper reel to somebody else's highlights. Right. Somebody might look at me and be like, oh, well, you know, because I had cousins, the same thing. They'd be like, oh, you, you know, you went to college, you graduated, you got married, you had kids. And they feeling bad about themselves because they had a kid at 17 or 18. And I'm like, yeah, you can't really look at the, with the finished product of what you see because the steps that it took for me to get to that point, our paths were just different. It's no, it's no knock on somebody for having a kid without being married. That's just not something that I did. Right. But I don't look down on anybody for making different choices. The same way nobody can look down on me for the choices I made that got me to where I am. Because like, it had to happen that way. For me to be the person that I am, all the stuff that happened, the good or the bad, had to happen to shape me to get to this very moment. Um, so that's even... That's just kind of like how I live life. Like, I don't ever judge people. We all have our preconceived notions about stuff. We'd be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> be like that. You watch Maury Povich, you have a lot of those. Like, you, right. like, bro, how did you not know that that wasn't true? Okay. 
you know what? <laughs> you you must have really loved her to. Cause, I mean, your mind is strong. If you can convince yourself of something, that's that's why the most successful people are successful because they have the same ability as somebody that that lies so much that they believe their own lies. Right. Like those are dangerous people, but they're also. Like, their mind is that strong. If you can convince yourself of something that you know isn't true, right. and you believe it, and you live according to that, you apply that same mindset, that same formula to being successful, put your mind to do something, and make it happen, like, it's going to happen. Right. So, that's how I wrote a book, honestly. I literally was up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, why am I awake? Yeah. Man, start writing a book. All right. <laughs> and but even from that point, because I had been saying before, people were like, oh, you write really well. Like you're you're very engaging with your stories. Like I can visualize what you're saying just by the words on the screen. Right. You should write a book. Um, maybe one day. I don't really know what to talk about. Like who's going to want to hear what I have to say? Like that was my attitude. Right. Um, but then it's like, no, you got a great story to tell. Nah, it's just regular. It's nothing spectacular. I haven't accomplished anything to where people can be like, oh, you did this or you did that. I want to hear your story. Like, how did you get to that point? That's how I felt. Mm. So I was like, yeah, there's really nothing for me to talk about. After I split up with my ex, we, uh, me and my cousins went out. We went to, what was it, Thunder Valley? I think it's Thunder Valley. Um, that is a casino. The, the one closest to, to Sac, mm. Thunder Valley. So we go out. I'm thinking we're going to gamble. I'm not really a gambler, but I'm like, hey, whatever, let's do it. And we end up at this little club inside of the casino at a bar. And this, what's the dude's name? He's a, he's the game's manager. I think his name was like Big Whack 100 or something. I didn't know who he was, but my cousin is a rap fan, so he knew the dude. And he's in the club dancing with his old lady. Dude got on all red. So clearly we know the game. Yeah. So. He walks up to the bar to get a drink or whatever. We're just standing there chilling. And he recognizes the um, the logo from the hat I had on. He was like, oh, I know the dude that started that business. No, that's a good dude. We start talking. And my cousin's like, hey, aren't you Big Black 100? Immediately, dude was like, oh, that's not me. And I was like, oh, he kind of squared up. This might be a good time to check our surroundings and make right. sure that we not surrounded. And my cousin's like, nah, I'm a big game fan. I like I like music, da 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 So dude, he kind of let his guard down. Like, okay, y'all not sizing me up. It's cool. Right. They started talking. My other cousin jumps in like, yeah, we just trying to show my cousin the good time. He just split up. I'm like, bro, you telling all my business. Oh, it's fine. I didn't even know that's why we was here. I thought we was just going out. I right. wasn't depressed or nothing like y'all trying to get me out the house. I'm thinking we're going to go to the casino. I'm going to win like. Two three dollars on the on the table, right. cause I'm not putting up no money. I don't do the gambling <laughs> stuff, but that's what I thought we was here for. And so, like, dude, when I say God can speak to you from anywhere, from anybody, right? Like, true story. Like, dude turns to me and he's like, just starts telling me about my situation. Like, I hadn't talked to even my cousins about what was going on, um, as far as dealing with. Like, just the whole dynamic of this new relationship that we have now. We're not together. Right. She's in a relationship. Um, dealing with the kids. Dealing with her significant other. Any of that kind of stuff I hadn't talked about. Right. He starts telling me, like, this is how you deal with it. This is how you this is how you handle your business as a man. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. I don't know where that came from. Like, right. Cool. 
And he turns around to walk away and he comes back. This is a big dude now. And he like hit me in my chest. <clears throat> he was like, God told me to tell you, you're supposed to be a millionaire and you bullshitting. And I was like, that's, that's the words he used, the exact words. God, <laughs> God said I was bullshitting. I just need to clarify, but I understand what you're saying, but we in the casino at the club, at the bar. Like, why would God tell? But I'm like, dang. Like, that's powerful because growing up in church, you got preachers that want to come up to you and prophesy to you like, oh, the Lord is telling me that you're good. And I would listen to all of that and I'd be like, so God told you that I was going to be a preacher right? and speak to all these people. Never mind the fact that you know my dad and my dad is a preacher. So if you look at the fact that I'm heavily influenced by my father, still right. active in the church, you could throw a shot in the dark and come to that conclusion. I'm pretty sure God didn't just specifically tell you, now look at this guy. Now, if you didn't know who I was and you just walked up to me, that's one thing. Right. But after meeting me, oh, this is the pastor's son, the Lord told me. Really, bro? But this dude, just in the middle of the club, comes up to me and he tells me this. So I'm like, I'm more likely to listen because it's coming from like a place of authenticity. And I'm like, dang. So this was like in October of 2016. And he was like, man, you got ideas. He's like, you got books in you. I was like, all right, maybe I should write a book. Right. So to go from October, I didn't do it right away, of course, because like, oh, that was a cool moment. And right. then once the goosebumps wore off and the, the Hennessy wore off, then it was like, oh, no, I was tripping. That probably didn't really happen like that. And then the fast forward to January where I'm sitting up and the words just popped in my head. You're supposed to be a millionaire. Like, you, you playing around. Like, you got stuff in you that needs to get out. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the process? How do we make this happen? Right. <laughs> how do I get this stuff from in here into my bank account? Like, how does that translate? It's like, okay, write a book. I'm like, okay, you write a book, then what? How do you get your book on the bestsellers list? Like, how do you market yourself? How do you brand yourself? But trying to, trying to do too much, trying to go too far ahead. Right. Like, nah, just do the first step. Just write the book. What am I going to talk about? Like, do I write a romance novel? Or, but like, what do I write about? Right. Like, what do I write that people are going to want to see or want to read and want to get more of? And it's like, just talk about whatever. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Right. Like, who's going to want to read a book about random stuff? I would read it. Or the people that know me, that, and that's, and that's kind of how the process started. And... So I literally was up at 3 in the morning like, well, since you're up, just start typing. Right. And so I did that. And then when I finished, it was like a sense of accomplishment, but still not quite finished because I finished it. Like I said, I wrote the book in five months. So I was done in May. The book didn't come out till December wow. because that process of, okay, you got a book now. How do you get it published? Where do you take it? I didn't know any of that stuff. And it seemed like everybody I reached out to would kind of give me a little bit of, of, of information, but not enough for me to actually, I needed somebody to be like, hey, look, I'm going to put you in touch with this person. Hey, this is my man's, put him on. But that wasn't what my process needed to be. I had to go through the steps and find stuff myself. And even in doing that, all these doors kept closing. And then literally having a conversation with my mom one day, she's like, have you heard of uh, Amazon publishing? Like, well, Amazon? They just be delivering random stuff off the internet? Right. There's that random word again. And uh, 
And she was like, yeah, well, they do publishing. Like, look it up. She didn't even know the details. She just, I guess, just overheard it. I go into Google and find out the process. Literally took me from the time I went on Google and looked into the process of getting it published. It took eight days till the book was available for sale. Wow. So I was like, man, all these, all these months that I've been searching through different self-publishing companies and trying to get in touch, trying to find somebody with a book deal, I ended up doing it myself. Did all the formatting, everything myself, eight days, and then it's out. So that was when I really had the sense of accomplishment. Like, I finally did something that I can be proud of. Like, oh, but you got you graduated from college? Yeah, I kind of skated. So I wasn't really, I know the, uh, the effort that I put into that. Oh, well, you got married and had kids? Yeah, that's a great accomplishment. But I didn't do everything the way that I was supposed to do it. Yeah, my kids are my, my biggest accomplishment. And I'm still working on being the best father for them. Right. But this was like, I actually did something I could be like, man, look at that. Like, the kids, that's God. Like, that's right. a gift from God. That's their mother. Like, the two of us together, you know, made them. But, like, I actually did something myself. Like, I'm a published author. It's a sense of accomplishment. Like, like I want to celebrate. And I didn't even make the book, like, for the sake of trying to make money off of it. Right. It was just like, I got all these ideas. I think some of the stuff I say is pretty funny. So I might as well just put it out there. Some right. stuff is intellectual. Some stuff will make you think. Some stuff is just sharing perspective. Some stuff is just telling my story that somebody might be able to relate to. I, I think that's how we can really interact and connect with people that we would never think just because we have so much stuff that's relatable. But you never know until you share your story. Exactly. Well, we're definitely hitting that shit. There we go. We're definitely hitting the mark. Uh, man, when we can, when, this hit, when it hits like past 45 and then it hits past 55, I know we got to have a part two. You got to have a part two? <laughs> we have to have a part two. Like, I'm it, down. It is, it is for sure it has to happen. So the book will let the people know where to get it. If you have any social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all of the above. Let the people know, man. Okay, so Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter is Ken Grippy Jr. That's an interesting story about how that came up. That's that's the football association. Gotcha. Um, my Facebook is JJ McGee. Is it JJ? Yeah, it's JJ McGee. Um, it is your name, right? It is my name. <laughs> you know how people be having, like, Keisha, I'm just doing me. <laughs> 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 like, okay, so she just broke up with somebody. <laughs> but yeah, nah, Instagram, all that is the same. Twitter is Ken Grippy Jr. with the underscore after because I don't know if somebody tried to steal my name. <laughs> but um, that was a trip with my favorite baseball player was Ken Griffey. I was like, well, I'm not playing baseball anymore, but I'm playing football, and I got nice hands. Oh, you know, sweatshirt. Promo. Nice hands. Yeah. Um, Check out my other Instagram page. Nice hands. <laughs> it's nice hands. It's at nice hands. N I C E. So, and my boy was like, man, boy, you, you just own a day. Like, that was a nice catch. I was like, nigga, I catch everything. N I C E. I got nice hands. I was like, oh, I should make a shirt. But for the sake of uh, being politically correct for my other friends and followers that might not be able to use the first letter of the word. Right. It, it's, it, I trademarked it as naturally I catch everything with the hands. So I got nice hands. Um, so the 
I forgot why I was telling you about that image. Which is where they can buy it. Where they can get the shirt stuff. Yes. Yeah, so that's for the shirt. Um, for the book, the link is on my Instagram, my regular Ken Grippy Jr. Instagram page. Um, but it's straight to Amazon. It's straight to Amazon. And it works out because they just print it directly from there and ship it straight to you. So I didn't have to, like, purchase a hundred, two hundred books, right. um, and then selling myself. I did make an order of like maybe twenty, so I have those on hand um, for people in town that want to link up with me directly. Um, the book is only six ninety nine. If you purchase it from Amazon, the paperback edition, you get the Kindle um, edition for free. Nice. So, okay. yeah, I just want to get it out there. Well, for sure, man. Thank you for coming by. Until next time, WM4T.TV. I will model for toys too. I All right, hey man, we'll be showing camera too, man. The whole <laughs> brand, man. Yeah, for sure. sure. All right, man. All right. Cool. Easy peasy, man. Yeah.